You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Today is a big day for us. I don't know if you know how good that was, what Chris Pope shared with us this morning. It was beautifully done. Our mission fair tonight from 6.30 to 8 is going to feature a lot of people who have had a big say in the spiritual formation of Grace Community Church, our lives individually and also collectively. Galatians 6.6 talks about those who are taught in the Word should share material blessings with those who are teaching. It's, a always, it's one of the primary verses that we understand why God wants us to continue to give to the church. In the Old Testament, bring this tithes into the storehouse. Uh, the New Testament, not quite the same obligation, but it's grace giving. It's all grace giving. And Galatians 6, 6 says, direct your funds to the places where you're being blessed. So church is where we're blessed, and that's why we give a tithe is a very good uh, place to begin. But those missionaries, students, CEO staff that have had an impact in your life, church body, Neil Manning, um, Ben McGuire, these guys have blessed us enormously. Think about supporting them over and above the tithe. Our pastor in the mountains one year, Randy Parker, uh, we had 11 out of 13 weekends where we got significant snow in the mountains. And I said, Randy, you're going to have to quit preaching that storehouse tithing because if they don't come to the, to the storehouse, they don't give. He said, yes, yeah, going to have to go to mailbox tithing, I think. But <laughs> anyway, so look, whatever it takes, guilt, shame, I'm, I'm applying it right now. Be here tonight, 6.30 to 8. How, think of how Joe Hunziker has impacted us just in the last few weeks. He's going to do it again this morning. If I don't shut up, he's not going to have as much time. We're going to sort of tag team. Uh, I talked him out of wearing an outfit that you just, it's a good thing We're for a, a match this morning. Well, actually, he talked me out of wearing one. So in preparation for the mission fair tonight, I have a question to help you as you interact with the missionaries. This will help you as you prepare to speak with them tonight, which of the following would best describe you? A, I want life to be steady and predictable. Is this how you are? You want it to be predictable. I do not like change. I prefer routine. B, I like challenges and new opportunities. I'm always up for an adventure. Change does not trouble me. There are some who are very much that. Most of our missionaries at least got to this place eventually. C or C. I wonder what we're having for dinner. Uh, I hope it's not the same old thing. So this is kind of a combination of the two, isn't it? C kind of brings A and B together. It's a mix. You like routine, but you like variety as well. So what does this have to do with a Sunday morning message and, 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 and on the day that we have our mission fair? I'm certain you can see where we're going. One must be willing to change in order to become a missionary. 
missionary, whether at home or abroad. Another thing that Chris said that just got my mind going. Look, these guys uh, crew uh, Transworld Radio, TWR, CO, Hand of Hope. All of these guys are connected with us. Amazing Grace Adoption. They are out in front of the church suffering persecution. They're hitting it everywhere. Did you see this past week? Duke University said Young Life not accepted as a group because of their stance on LGBTQ issues. So we're not allowing them. These guys are on the front lines. They're actually a buffer for us, and we need to be supporting them every way that we possibly can. So you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to take a lot of stuff. To be a missionary, sacrifices have to be made, including a willingness to forego financial security, a willingness to move your family from one place to another. But that's not going to be our focus this morning. The focus is not going to be on a willingness to make major changes in your life and to go to the mission field, but rather... The focus is going to be on a willingness to change right where you are. Perhaps change, a willingness to change, is one of the most important qualities that a disciple of Christ can pursue. In Luke 9, when a man told Jesus that he would follow him anywhere, Jesus said, is that right? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man doesn't know where he's going to lay his head tonight. At our staff meeting this past week, we were talking about all the different changes that have occurred here at Grace Community Church in 2019. In one year, so many things have happened. But for me, at least, we're talking about it all the time. So I, I'm not seeing it as, as radical changes. We've been thinking about a lot of these things well in advance. But I can imagine how unsettling it can be for some of you. I mean, just think this year. We, we've gone to two services. That's a significant upheaval uh, for children's ministry with nearly 90. I, I corrected that. I didn't get it corrected or get it, get it put in time. Nearly 90 volunteers. The elders have met over a weekend uh, this past year to determine a vision going forward that includes church planning and the first mention of new facilities. We want to be in a place where we can all fit together in one service. And we don't want to get any larger than that. The only way we can do that is to plant churches. So there's a lot going on in the thinking of the, of the church leadership uh, about where we're heading in the future. J.D. Greer wanted to <laughs> take time to put, put a tweet, a couple of tweets that he put on this week about the importance of planning and how as churches just grow and grow, they do less and less really as a whole because it's easy to just kind of fade into the, uh, the, the, the masses and, and, and be uh, anonymous. But we're thinking about what's going to happen in the future. We've added a staff member, which means a new youth pastor. That's a pretty significant upheaval in the lives of our students. Home groups continue to grow to maximum levels. And we've mostly completed a major lobby renovation with some plans on hold until next year's budget addresses the additions that need to happen to complete the new space. 
And it's likely that one of these changes has been a bit difficult for you. Just about the only way that we could have avoided these changes is to have people at the front door and at a certain space or a certain time, we just say, I'm sorry, folks, we don't have any more space. Now, I know of one church that does that in, in Washington, D.C., but I don't think any of us want to be in that place. So this morning in Acts chapter 8, we're going to see how God increased the kingdom through the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Samaria where new churches were established. And this is exactly as Jesus promised that it was going to be in Acts 1-8, just before he ascended back to heaven. He said, going to start here, going to spread out in all Judea and, and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're going to be going. We're going to read Acts 8, 1 through 8. Spend almost no time thinking about the text. Then we'll make a few connections between the early church and the changes that are occurring here. And then Joe Hunziker from Italy. Joe is originally from Switzerland. Switzerland. He's German-Swiss, but he is full-blooded Italian now. We're going to call him full-blooded. I and mean, when you hear this man in Italy, you know, oh, he talks just like him. And... and <clears throat> And he goes, one time I, his son Matthias here, and I said, Matia. And Stefania said, oh, I hope I don't sound like that. <laughs> but then she said shortly after, howdy, y'all. And I said, okay, I feel uh, better now. Um, but if you weren't here last week when Joe led us at the table, oh, you missed quite a blessing. And he's going to share in just a few moments. It's a little bit awkward, but how can we do other than that on a day uh, like today? The setting for today's text is the immediate aftermath of the first Christian martyr when Stephen was stoned to death. Deacon Stephen was stoned to death. Don't get any ideas. It's a different spelling. Um, so we're going to read those first eight verses and then think of what the Lord is saying to us as a church, as an application of this text about things are changing. Are we willing to embrace the change? So if you would please stand for the reading of Scripture, Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This was God's design. The church got so big, and then he scattered it. Uh, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, was ravaging the church. This word ravaging, the Greek it, it, it indicates a sadistic kind of treatment of the people that he persecuted. Just imagine what Paul had to live with for the rest of his life. Like a wild boar tearing an animal apart. Saul just went mad, ravaging the church. And also think about the person that you said, that person will never get saved. Do you think people thought Saul would get saved? He was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 
Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Let's pray. Father, to think about the difference in verse 1 and verse 8, the, the great persecution in Jerusalem and the great joy in Samaria. In just a very short time, what, what a picture it is of, of our life here and the day on which we Stand face to face with Jesus. We look forward to that day. And in the meantime, we realize we are pilgrims. This world is not our home. We've got a mission to fulfill. Thank you for the heart that the church has for fulfilling the mission. We don't take anything for granted, Lord. Even if we've got generous spirits, evangelistic hearts, Whatever it is we have, they're gifts from you. And so, Lord, stir us together on this day for the gospel and its impact on the entire world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated. So it is that God may not be driving us out of our current location. But he is bringing about change in our body as new people move into the area. And may it be said of us as it was said of Samaria in verse 8 that there was much joy in that city. May there be much joy in Harnett County for what God is doing in this place. So here are five ways. I'm just going to throw them up there. Write them if you want to. You might want to take pictures. Uh, because there's not going to be much time. Five ways to submit to what God is doing in this place. And it's his doing, not ours. First, thank God for bringing you into his family. And ask him for the heart of an evangelist. There are people all around us who need to know Jesus. And, and the way God works is that when... He brings people into our lives. There's almost certainly a purpose. A lot of people have real difficulty with the, with the doctrine of election because, well, I don't want to depend on God saving this person. Really? So you want it to be up to you. Now, I'd far rather God be. And if God brings people into our lives, there's a pretty good chance that he's wanting to do a work in their lives. We're called to pray. And to share the word. So thank God for bringing you into the family. Is it his family? And ask him for the heart of evangelists. Second, be prepared to welcome the new singles and the families that God is leading to become part of the family at Grace Community Church. Look, not everybody that comes through the door is going to end up part of our family. We recognize that. That's fine. We want the family that God builds here. But pray. And for, for God to build this church as he desires and welcome the new singles it, and families. It disrupts things when we get so many people that I don't even know folks around there anymore. 
It's either that or be persecuted and driven out. You know, let's take what we got and be glad for it. And be happy that God is desiring to do a work in our lives. In the same way that all those folks are, are forming us uh, as missionaries, our church is forming them as well. And what God is doing here is multiplying literally all over the world. Be grateful that you get to be a part of that. Three, be willing to make room and to change when necessary. In the Sunday morning services, in home groups, in children's ministry, in youth group, or any other ministry in which you participate. Look, Alice and I, we, we confess the older we get, the more we like routine, the more we like things not to change, the more we like stability and knowing what it's like. But this is not the time for us to rest. Like my mom used to say when I was swimming in swim meets at young, as a young boy, I won a lot of meets because, or a lot of races because she said you can rest at the end. And that was my mentality when I'm churning as hard as I can. You can rest at the end. And that's when we're, go we're going to rest one day. And for the rest here, God has built in a beautiful way to us to rest. One day a week, Sabbath, Sabbath mentality. Joe and I have been talking about. I, that reminds me, I've got to give time for Joe. Four, affirm your willingness to serve God in the capacity he asks of you. Look, we're talking, we're thinking about more changes. There are going to be some more changes about the way that we serve. So be prepared for that. Ask God for a willingness to serve in the capacity that he asks of you. And for some of you, Ricky Lee talks about this a lot more than I think about it. And I'm so grateful for Ricky reminding us that God's calling some of you, especially those of you who are younger. He's calling you maybe into full-time service. Are you willing? Are you hearing it? Are you listening? Well, how do you prepare for full-time service? Joe is going to come and talk about ways that the ordinary become extraordinary. So, Joe. Thank you, Brad, for leaving me some time. Brad knows that we as Italian take a lot of words to express, and then on top we use our hands to talk, so it takes more time to, to get across. But thank you very much. Uh, the thoughts I would like to share with you this morning uh, from a story of Mark just describes a little bit our situation as missionaries, but maybe also your situation here in uh, North Carolina. You might be familiar with the stories of the big crowds uh, and Jesus, and you might have this picture, at least I had it, uh, the crowds were sitting on the hillside and standing there and watching, and Jesus in front, and he was talking and speaking, like in the children's book. But Mark speaks a little bit about that they were pressing to the front and that they wanted to touch Jesus and they wanted to get close because if they were able to touch Jesus, they would get healed and they would bring a lot of sick people. There were no hospitals, no doctors. So here they are pressing to the front like on a concert. Everybody wants to take a selfie with the star. So there, the disciples became kind of bodyguards at the point that Jesus said, whenever we are close to the shore, have a, a boat close by, so in case they press hard, I will go on the boat and talk from a little bit offshore. So that's the setting we are in. At a certain point, 
Jesus gives authority to the disciples so they could go and preach and heal people. And so they are coming back. And that's where we want to jump in into the text uh, in Mark 6. And I would like to ask you to stand up again to read uh, the Word of God. So Mark 6, verse 30 Jesus feeds the 5,000 plus because there were more than 5,000 people. So the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and thought. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to, be, to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without the shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loves do you have? Go and see. And when they had, had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray. Wow, Heavenly Father, this is you. You are able to do great things. And we are so thankful to, that you gave us this story and we ask you help us to see beyond these words and to hear your thoughts and your words so we can understand what you want to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You might be seated. So Mark jumps in and immediately, immediately he shows us the heart of our Lord Jesus. They came close to the shore and he saw a needy crowd of people. The disciples probably went, oh no, get out of here, let us alone. But Jesus, he saw beyond. He saw sheep without the shepherd. What is in his heart? Compassion. He is always there for the needy and brokenhearted. 
They are not an annoyance, a disturbance of his plan. And so the same thing for you and me this morning as we come maybe needy. He is there with open arms. He's ready to receive us. He's ready with compassion. He understands where you're at. He understands your needs. And we are not an annoyance to him. What a great thing. What a great thing. And actually, we could close here already because this is already a great message. That's, <laughs> you know, the Word of God wants us to see what Jesus is like, what God is like. And here he is, compassionate, waiting for us, ready for us, not being annoyed by us. But there is a big lesson in the mind of Jesus for his disciples and maybe also for us today. So what happened next? did not happen by chance. Jesus was there talking into their lives, giving them the gospel, teaching them many things. He was there for them. And when evening grow late, we read uh, that uh, a crisis develops. There was nothing out of control for Jesus, but there were 5,000 men, women and children, I imagine maybe 8, 10, 15,000 people. It's probably the biggest gathering, teaching gathering that Jesus ever had, at least of what we know of the Bible. So hundreds of, or thousands of hungry people, and it's evening. You remember, this gathering was not a planned one. They didn't have announcement Jesus is coming. They were running from the towns. They didn't bring food along. There was no plan for this meeting, and yet they were there, and they were hungry. And so the disciples come and play Captain, Captain Obvious, and they remind Jesus. And it grew late. His disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late, so send them away. Let them go and get some food. And I think the disciples, they were not ready for what was going to happen. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And you might remember when David taught us on speech action theory, Isaiah 55, When the word of God goes out, it's going to happen. When Jesus said something, it's going to happen. But the response of the disciples was a little bit annoyed and even disrespectful. Shall we go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? 200 Denarii, that's about the salary of eight months of labor. And the disciples were broke because just a couple verses ahead of that, we read that Jesus sent them out and told them, don't take any bag, don't take anything, not even money in your belt, just go. So they were broke. There was no money around. So what Jesus asked them to do was simply impossible. It was impossible. And it was designed by divine design to be that way. 
this was Jesus doing, creating a situation where Jesus is teaching them. You know, the disciples, they came back from being teachers. Now they're back to school. They did great things. They had authority. They could heal. They could preach. They could do any, everything. But now Jesus wants to teach them. So that's why he involves them into the miracle. He could, even lay, even, uh, he could easily have it done by himself, and it would, be, would have been even more impressive if he would just make come bread out of the ground or the stones and have people eat. But this would be a lesson for the disciples. And this miracle actually is in first line, especially at that point, for the disciples. They needed to be rem reminded of their inadequacy and of his greatness. So note how he performs the miracle. He takes the little they bring. He works with what they have. Five loaves and two fish. A handful of food in front of 10,000, 15,000 hungry people. That's ridiculous. That's impossible. And he takes it, and he looks up to heaven, and he gives thanks. Modeling for the disciples that we always have to be grateful and dependent on him. He broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples. The way it's written here, it looks like the miracle of multiplication happened in Jesus' hands as he broke it and then gave it to them. And they had to bring it to hundreds of groups of 50s and hundreds. That might have been 150 up to 200 groups of people sitting around. There was a lot of serving people. And the disciples, they had to go to the groups, give it to them, and come back. And go and come back. What was the lesson, you ask? He, Jesus, not them, is compassionate, capable, and generous. They, the disciples, are inadequate. They have to depend on him. This moment was a foretaste of what Jesus would do in, in and through the lives of the disciples for the rest of their life. He was just shaping what was going on for the rest of their lives. And that was a great day. That was a great lesson. And it would take them hours to go back and forth to the people, and on their way back, the disciples said, might have thought, is there more? Is there more bread? Yes, there would be more. How could there be more? Yet, 
there was more. And they needed more to give, and there was more. And they went back to receive more, to give more. What was the result of all of this? And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Why? Because Jesus is compassionate, capable, and generous. They needed that teaching. And so do we. What a striking, striking resemblance to our lives. Well, you might say, I don't have to feed 5,000 people or 10,000 people every day. But listen, every day, Jesus commands us to do more than we ever are capable to do on our own strengths. Every day. Let me give you a few examples. What about glorifying God in our roles as husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, college students, working on landscaping or serving in the church, fighting sin, sharing the gospel, enduring pain, loving others? Are we adequate? in or of ourselves to glorify God in our own strength? Like the disciples, we react on wise commandments of our Lord, on sanctification or on service, and we say, oh Lord, I'm inadequate. I have only five loaves and two breads and two fish, this is impossible, I can't do it. All I have is weakness and limitations. We are quite aware of it, aren't we? Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way he designed it. It would be bad if we would get up in the morning and say, I can do this. We are not adequate. You never mature into self-sufficiency. You better never mature out of dependence on a compassionate, capable, and generous God. I picture that hill where all the people were sitting in groups and the disciples, they would just go back and forth and cutting, making pathways, trials in the green grass. They constantly had to come back to Jesus <coughs> to receive more. That's what we have to learn. Constantly come back to Jesus. If you want to do, if you want to serve, if you want to do God's work, you constantly have to come back to Jesus and sit at his feet, 
receive more so you can give more. So let us ponder just a moment and ask us this question. What appears to you in your Christian experience impossible to do? Maybe in the role as a husband, as a wife, as a father or mother of small children with big need or bigger children with big problems. What seems impossible to do as a single parent when you think you just don't have the patience, the force, the strength anymore to teach them and guide them towards God? What seems impossible as college students? To resist the temptation you encounter every day, to witness? Or what about us men keeping our eyes, our minds, and our spirits pure from all the garbage that is on the internet? It appears to be impossible to walk in godliness in a world that celebrates immoral, immorality and futile values. It's difficult to glorify God. Also, if you endure pain, suffering, or a burden you can't even share with anybody. We easily come to the conclusion we are inadequate, and we sure are. We know it. And we ought to feel inadequate for our roles as husbands, fathers, mothers, and for our attempt of sanctification. It is designed, as I said, to be like this, so we can bear fruit. Because inadequacy is the condition for being fruit, fruitful. Only the one who recognizes his inadequacy, acknowledges his dependence, and so receives from the compassionate, capable, and generous God the grace to endure, to serve, to please, and to glorify God. As Jesus said, it clearly in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, don't hesitate to admit and to bring your inadequacy to Jesus. He will not refuse it, as he didn't refuse the five loves and the two fish. But he will turn it into blessing. That's actually all the point about bringing our inadequacy to him because he turns it into blessing. And that's exactly what happened to me, to us, when we went to camp 10 years ago. I thought, I can do that. I just work hard. I treat people nicely and it will work. After a year, I was in depression. I treated badly my wife, my children, and I recognized I'm inadequate. 
I cannot do it. And that was the breaking point when Jesus turned it into blessings. Blessings for many. And so, I just want to encourage you with this lesson that Jesus tried to teach the disciples and to us this morning. Recognize your inadequacy. No problem with it. The only way that you can experience the power of God in you. Bring the little resource you have to him. He doesn't mind. He accepts five loves and two fishes for thousands of people. And he can turn it into blessing. He will not refuse it. Learn to be dependent and thankful. You know, gratefulness turns what you have into enough. That's right. But even more, it shows that you're dependent. Because if you're thankful, if you receive, you acknowledge that there is somebody above you, there's somebody that gives, and you depend on him. And then force, be willing to be sent to do good works. The works he had prepared beforehand. That's actually why he saved you. To do the good works that he prepared beforehand. Because he wants to use you to enlarge the kingdom of God. He could do it without you. But he likes to involve you. He likes to give you the joy to experience the very thing when we bring that little that we have and he turns it into blessings for many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a compassionate, capable and generous God. Thank you for your patience with us, as you had with the disciples that didn't get it till the very end. Thank you that you can use the little we have and turn it into blessings for many. Please give us the joy to experience giving to us the joy of serving others. And please remind us of coming back to you often and enjoy your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.